0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host, Larry Cohen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler's Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, you all may have heard about the growing trend of new technologies helping to exonerate individuals wrongfully convicted of crimes in America. Some of you may even have seen the Netflix series, Making a Murderer, But what you may not realize is the magnitude of the number which has been growing over the last 20 years. For example, in 2015, a record 149 people were exonerated for crimes they did not commit. Some had been languishing on death row, and the average time served of those ultimately set free was 14 and a half years. Well, today on Ringle Radio, we're going to take a look at this growing exoneration trend with one of the true experts in the field. And joining me today as my co-host is my friend and Ringler colleague, Herb Spencer, from our Nashville, Tennessee office. Herb, welcome aboard Ringler Radio. Glad to have you as my co-host.
2: Thank you, Larry. Glad to be here. Terrific.
1: Well, our special guest is a Tennessee legal legend. Attorney David Rabin literally wrote the book on Tennessee criminal law. In fact, that's the name of his book, Tennessee Criminal Law. It's been cited hundreds of times in Tennessee courtrooms, and relied upon by judges and attorneys throughout the state. So with that, welcome to Ringler Radio, David. Great to have you with us.
3: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: Terrific. Well, David, let's dive right in by having you tell us the compelling story of Lawrence McKinney, one of your clients who was exonerated after serving 31 years for a wrongful 1978 rape and burglary conviction. How did you accomplish that? That sounds, uh, that sounds amazing that uh, he spent that much time in that prison.
3: It was a a very challenging case uh, from start to finish. Uh, Essentially, we discovered through DNA evidence that he could not have been one of the culprits. There were two people who attacked this woman. There's no question that she was raped. The question is whether Mr. McKinney was one of the people. So we went through and did the DNA analysis, and it was pretty straightforward. And the judge uh, granted him a judicial exoneration and dismissed the charges and let him out of prison. Under Tennessee law, you can then go to the governor and the board of claims and ask for compensation up to a million dollars. We thought that that was going to be an easy thing to do with DNA evidence. Not so. It took us six years of struggle through the courts and the governor's office and various hearings to finally get him the maximum award of a million dollars. We accomplished that um, Herb uh, was very helpful to us in working on the uh, uh, the annuity for him. I'll get to that later, but that was a very hard struggle to help him and get him the compensation he deserved.
2: David, uh, technology is much improved today when it comes to DNA testing, and testing dated DNF, DNA evidence left at a crime scene. We're also talking about coerced confessions and bad lawyering in some cases, right? Sure.
3: In this case involved... Um, uh, scientific evidence, of course. Thirty years ago, they didn't have anything c- called DNA. It was a new technology. In his particular case, we had a uh, victim lineup where there was—he was the only person in the lineup. So, of course, they were. She was going to identify him. Uh, McKinney never confessed. Of course, in this case, uh, he in fact denied any complicity in it. But basically, this was an instance of. Lawyering, which was probably not the best, but you had a terribly defective trial where he there was a show up where he was identified as the culprit um, in this particular instance. there was no evidence that would exonerate him of the DNA, and so he was given a hundred and ten years in the penitentiary uh, for a crime he didn't commit.
1: My goodness, well, what's the biggest challenge you face uh David, in these wrongful conviction cases uh just trying to get the hearing going or 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 getting the evidence collected what 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 what's the stumbling block for you most of the time
3: well there's two phases to it the first is to get the evidence to court to show that the person is indeed innocent and that typically involves dna and that in this particular instance we were fortunate in that the dna had been preserved the biological evidence had been preserved we don't always have that in these ancient cases Things are thrown away or they're discarded or the DNA is biological evidence is, is corrupted in some fashion. Fortunately, we had that. And secondly, in this particular instance, even though the judge released him, we had the governor, we had two uh, two governors involved, who delegated the hearing to a parole board to decide whether, in fact, our client was innocent. So you've got to prove a negative. You've got to say not only. Was he in it, not guilty, but of, that he was truly innocent? Someone else committed the crime. You would think that that would be simple. Not so with the Tennessee Parole Board. They We had two hearings and both hearings. They said we didn't sustain the burden. Fortunately, we had a really brave governor, Governor Haslam, um, who is very conservative, but he's a law and order guy. And he said, this is law and order. You've got a court, and we're going to rely on what the judge said. And ultimately... Uh, Governor Haslam uh, gave him the exoneration. We took that to the Board of Claims, and they gave us, a, in relatively short order, um, the maximum award. Uh, the complexity of that is, though, that under Tennessee law, you're required to have an annuity. And that's uh, sort of where, your, where Herb came in to help me, because there's all kinds of annuities in the in the United States, and some of them don't pay that much. Tennessee is very conservative in the annuities that they will accept. I wanted the maximum award for my client, but I wanted him to receive the most that he could get each month for the rest of his life. And Herb was instrumental in working with me and the state and the the board of claims to fashion an annuity that was appropriate for the client. And I really appreciate that because he just went to bat for us tremendously.
1: That's great. great. That's great. And that's, uh, that's what, folks like herb and others like like him are are doing around the country helping lawyers like you protect your clients for the well, you know
3: it, it wasn't it was no longer the annuity he was way beyond that he was trying to help a person who was who was innocent and he was trying to maximize the man's benefits to help him and and, and it was really he went w- way above and beyond to help that and lawyers around the country need specialists like that. I mean, you can, you, annuities are very specialized things and the state is very, um, uh, strict as to the kinds of annuities. So he was my first and only and best choice.
1: Well, that's, that's Did a great a, job. That for says us. a lot. That says a lot for Herb. And, uh, I'm sure Herb, you, you enjoy hearing that.
2: Yes. Thank you, David. And, uh, as, very as well as Mr. Rabin knows, uh, uh I'm uh, acquaintances with his partner, Mr. Weissman, and uh, we connected through Dave Weissman. And this was uh, Mr. Rabin's, uh, Tennessee's fourth ever wrongful incarceration case. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Dave, you've been involved in three of those. Um, you know, the compensation in these cases is set by state statute. Um, it is a structured settlement, and we were able to Come in and assist you with Mr. Kenny, Mr. McKinney, and get him a future uh, payday for something he hadn't had his whole life. So, let's talk about the breakdown of these structure settlements and how they relate to this process. Yeah,
1: how did you do that, one Herb? Why don't you tell us a little bit about the structure in that case?
2: Well, as Mr. Rabin said we were working with a limited pool of money by statute. There's a uh, million dollars available um, minus expenses. And that balance, we were able to take it. And Looking at uh, Lawrence's life expectancy, um, he was 61 years old at the time. We wanted to structure the maximum for him. Um, he also was married while he was incarcerated, so we wanted to have some guarantee of a beneficiary uh, for the wife. So we looked at different uh, income levels over months, and we settled on a life with a 12 years period certain. Mm-hmm. Um, we attempted to get substandard rated ages for Mr. McKinney, but um, he's just had a great bill of health after all those years in prison. So that was inco- in- in- inconsequential, but um, we were able to, put something together for him that gives him some security for the rest of his life and gives something for his wife should he pass.
1: Well, you know, it's nice to hear uh, what you said, David, about Herb's involvement. Uh, more than just a structured person, he was a real advocate and really got into the mix to try to really help us well, young
3: man. The main, Well, the main thing uh, that uh, we, he did in addition to giving us a good package and structuring it in an appropriate way we, we fashioned, I mean, neither he nor I are tax experts, and we consulted with those. But the way this thing was configured, uh, this money is, is not taxable. And Herb was helped, uh, helped us put this package together so that the money would not be taxable to Mr. McKinney, which is an enormous benefit to no, him. No so it's essentially tax-free. And, I mean, I do want to add that no amount of money on the planet could compensate someone for, for the hor- hor- horrible thing that happened to him. But it's good to know that this procedure is in place.
1: I agree with you, and uh, you're you're right on all those counts. Well, let's take a quick break right now, and then we'll resume the conversation with David Rabin right here on Ringler Radio. We'll be
0: right back. This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions, did you know that Wrangler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Wrangler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. There's a Wrangler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler Advisor nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit ringlerassociates.com to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Ringler Radio, everyone. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, along with my co host and Ringler colleague, Herb Spencer, and our special guest, criminal defense attorney David Rabin, both of them from Nashville, Tennessee. Well, we've been discussing wrongful incarceration and the benefits of using structured settlements and resolving these kinds of cases. Uh, Herb, why don't you uh, get into the whole issue of uh, the compensation by the state after the individual gets let out of prison? I mean, it's—I I think this limitation on the million dollars is probably controversial down there.
2: I—I w- I would think so, and I'll—I'll I'll let Mister. Raven speak to that. But you know, they're—they're. They're, uh, Sure, there are certain individuals in the state that scratch their head after these exoneration cases and wonder why should an individual like that be compensated. Um, Dave, what would be your response to that question? I'm, I'm sure it's been asked of you, and and, and uh, it has been asked of me. Uh, I'm curious to know what you think. Well, this is a
3: relatively new phenomena. I mean, we're only in the last 20 or 30 years if we had these exonerations and people spending decades in prison. I think the state has an obligation to compensate somebody where they've been wrongly convicted uh, and lost their freedom. The state has made a mistake. It's the government at the end of the day that prosecutes people and puts them in prison. But we can do a better job. And where that mistake occurs, we have to compensate the people to right the wrong to some degree and not only exonerate them, but help them. The other thing is the person has lost their productive lives. they had all of this in any society that believes in justice, this is the right thing to do for folks. Uh, there are some people who are against it, but we had, in this case, believe it or not, the most conservative people in the state behind Mr. McKinney saying, look, this is a law and order issue. We made an error. We want to rectify it. Um, and so that, that, that that's what happened. It's relatively rare. It's not going to break the bank, but where we can establish it, the person is deserving of compensation.
1: Well, I think that's a, you know, it's an a logical uh, result, a logical decision that they made. Uh, I'll be interested to know, uh, David, if if there are states in the union that have uh, substantially more than a million dollars that uh, that f- they're I, you they're know that is folks.
3: a that's a great question. We have a lot of states, about half and half. Half of states don't con- don't have any kind of compensation, or it's grossly inadequate. Tennessee was one of the first. What ours needs to change. We don't have cost of living increases in ours the uh, most states have a fixed amount fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year that is is set forth for each year of incarceration. Ours is highly subjective, so ours can use a lot of tinkering. Most of the states uh, for this long of time i've seen uh, judgments in in the ten to twenty million dollar range, and that's not a uh, unreasonable amount for losing over half
1: of your sure, life. Sure.
3: So we're we're behind on that, but we're still ahead of a lot of the states.
1: Mm, sounds like it for sure. Uh, David, now that you've gone through the structured settlement process with Herb on uh, the McKinney case and maybe some others, what can you tell our audience about how a periodic annuity payment stream can help salvage the future for your clients? Uh, I, I think you would have loved to see a compounding features for inflation and things like that. but But beyond that, Having these monies come out in pieces uh, over someone's lifetime, I think, is probably protecting your client uh, for the long haul.
3: Well, in many ways, it does. It's a guaranteed income stream for the person. Of course, as I mentioned, it's tax-free. They can count on that. They can plan. And that's the most important thing, is planning ahead uh, for the rest of your life and and for his wife. And, and of course, we would have preferred, perhaps, as a lump sum payment, but sometimes people are... are We'll, go, we'll spend all that money. There's a case I've read recently in the news where a person burnt through all that money and they're back on welfare. Now, Mr. McKinney would not be that kind of person, but just generically you ask the question for some folks uh, who don't know how to handle money. I mean, think about it. Did, he didn't know anything about the Internet. Uh, he didn't have any of the skills that we have here today. So having that income stream uh, as a known quantity for the future it's a great thing for folks to be able to have it, and he can rely on it, count on it. It's direct deposit, and it helps him.
2: Great. Thanks, David. Hey, um, sure. in, in, cl- in closing, um, as we said earlier, you've been involved and instrumental in three of these exoneration cases in Tennessee. I'm curious, with your experience and your knowledge on these cases, if you're able to assist someone in another state who also may be wrongly imprisoned, and, and if so, how would they go about contacting you?
3: Well, basically, you can contact me. It's David Rabin. You just Google me. Uh, Other states uh, have very similar procedures. I do consult with lawyers in other states. Obviously, I'd want to have a local attorney in that jurisdiction, but people who've been incarcerated that long who've been freed, there's also usually a statute of limitation of a year or so. You have to move uh, quickly to assert your rights, but you can contact me. uh, It's David Rabin and my law firm, Rabin & Weissman. And we would be happy to help people and consult with them uh, on that. And of course, all lawyers who do this work on what's known as a contingency fee. It doesn't cost the person anything up front to at least consult with us. And it's a good thing to do to, 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 to protect your rights.
1: Well, you know, David, uh, actually, before I let you go, because uh, it's not often that we have someone with your uh, experience in this particular arena on the show. And I have one more question for you. After release from prison, Getting reacclimated to freedom is not without its challenges. I'm sure for some of uh, the folks who have been in there for so so long. Uh, how are your clients rebuilding their lives after being exonerated? Tell, tell us just a little bit about that.
3: We were so lucky in this case that Mr. McKinney was basically adopted by a church in um, in Lebanon, Tennessee, and fell under the wing of a, a Reverend Pastor Hun and the church members. And they basically helped him, gave him a place to live and support. Uh, there was a lot of psychological adjustment counseling that he had to go through. Nobody can do this alone. I would say that faith-based groups are the best alternative that you can go to. If you get into a faith-based thing, a church or something like that, there's a lot of organizations like this across the country. And Bill puts you together with the experts. I needed an, an evaluation for Mr. McKinney, a physical. I had it the next day. Ambassador Hun called a doctor that worked, in his, his in his congregation. So I would say a faith-based uh, unit might be the best thing, but certainly that kind of rehabilitation program the state does not offer, uh, but the churches
1: frequently do, and that's what people should look to. Well, that, that's so important, uh, you know, when folks get out of prison, not just exonerated, but when they just finish their term in, in, in prison, to sure. get back into society is always one of the toughest things, and you have so much recidivism that uh, hopefully you have... Churches, like you mentioned, another other uh, community organization that will help these folks get sure. back into the, into the swing of life. Well, with that, uh, Herb, if someone wanted to contact you, how would they do that?
2: Well, they'd reach me at uh, hspencer at com, or call me on my office line at 615-331-6019. I'm right here in Nashville.
1: Terrific, and David, you mentioned uh, you know your uh, you could Google you, but uh, if someone wanted to reach you, uh, wh- how would they do that by phone?
3: My phone number is you can remember this number: it's six one five two five six 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 six.
1: Wow, a lot of sixes there.
3: <laughs> a lot of sixes. Well, you can make a lot of stories about that. But uh, it's David Rabin, R A Y B I N, and you can Google us. We have a, a fairly extensive web presence. Uh, on this that you can go and look at us, and uh, we'd be happy to help and consult with folks about this. Terrific. Thank you. And And again, I do want to thank Ringler and Herb for working with this man and helping him. It was a great asset to me.
1: Well, it's great to hear you say that, and uh, I just want to tell everybody out there listening that if they want to get involved with someone like Herb, another Ringler associate that will help them with some of their cases or just handle some of the issues that are coming up in their own lives, you can do that by going to RinglerAssociates.com. All the, all the Ringler brokers are listed there. Uh, and you can also find all the Ringler radio shows on RinglerAssociates.com. You can also find them on RinglerRadio.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, or on iTunes, where you can go and download the podcast and hear David Rabin talking about the exoneration issues that we're doing here today. And uh, with that, I want to say thanks again, David, for being such a great guest. Sure.
2: Thank you for asking me.
1: Terrific. And Herb? Thanks for being a great co-host.
2: Yes, thank you, Larry, and thank you, David. I appreciate it.
1: Terrific. And for all the rest of you out there, go have a great day.
2: Bye-bye.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.